0: Welcome listeners to the Thundercast. I am your host, Connor Sanders, sports editor for the University Journal, and I'm here to talk to you about SU athletics as well as the world of sports in general. I think that really what's kind of taking over the sports world right now, and with good reason, is Zion Williamson, the number one pick in the NBA draft to really set the world on fire last night in his first game with the New Orleans Pelicans. Um... But throughout the show today, we'll be looking at things like Zion, as well as preview men's and women's basketball this weekend, as well as talk about um, SUU football's most important hire since Damari Warren was named head coach. Recently, I've been thinking a lot about Zion Williamson. I think he's a very interesting prospect. So you look at somebody of his size, 6'6", 285 pounds, from a relatively unknown high school in South Carolina, commits to Duke, becomes a star that we've known, obviously been on social media as a star for so long, but there was something about last night that just really caught my interest. I think that this is this is going to be one of those moments where we'll look back and remember. Oh, I remember where I was when Zion scored his 17 consecutive points in the fourth quarter. So just for a little bit of background, uh, the Spurs played the Pelicans last night. Zion Williamson has been sitting out for most of the season, well, just all the season until this point, with an injury and the most highly anticipated rookie basketball player since I'd say Anthony Davis or LeBron James. Depending how you cut it, Zion is the guy. Um, He's the guy to the point that last night when my wife and I were sitting on the couch watching basketball, she took the time to Google who he was, went to the sports tab on Twitter, and was looking through the highlights because he was that big of a story. He's one of these beyond stories, a barrier-breaking type of, of athlete that can really continue to push basketball forward. And I think what's really interesting as well is, like, the the stars of the NBA right now, if you look at talent, I think no one would argue that the most talented player in the NBA right now is Giannis Antetokounmpo. But he just stays out of the public eye so much. He's in such a small market. And now we see that even Zion Williamson, who is in a small market, who is in a town that is not a basketball town, it's a football town, they love the New Orleans Saints. They don't really care so much about the Pelicans. There's been discussions about moving that team. And all of a sudden, in one night, this team goes from relatively uninteresting and with a snap of the fingers, with really a three minute segment in the fourth quarter, become one of the most interesting teams in the league, and one of the teams that you need to watch looking forward to playoff time. So in the first half, Zion started the game. You know, he he was in he was involved, he was around the plays, but he wasn't really making an impact per se as of yet uh, first half you know he made some baskets he, he was around the game like I say but when the fourth quarter began Zion just blew up so he scored 17 consecutive points in three minutes in the fourth quarter for his team um, and I, this has a lot to do with how the Spurs were defending him they were giving Zion Williamson all the space he wanted around the three-point line and he made four straight three-pointers which I something that he may have never done ever in his basketball career He nails these first three-pointers when nobody's guarding him. Then all of a sudden, the Spurs start to respect him a little bit. He starts attacking closeouts, getting to the basket, working through contact. Uh, It was really amazing to watch. Last night, he finished with 22 points on 8 of 11 shooting, which is really efficient in his first game, and also pulled in seven rebounds in only 18 minutes. So 22 points, 18 minutes, and they were just some of the most dominating minutes I've seen from such a young player. Um, really came into the game, especially in the fourth quarter, looking sure of himself, looking exactly like he he knew exactly who he was. He wasn't moving around at his most athletic yet. I think he's probably still not all the way back to full health, and he's still adjusting. I mean, the Pelicans are trying to teach him how to run again. They're trying to teach him how to work and, and move his body in such a way that he will limit contact and limit impact and so that he can play for as long as he can. And even still, in his first game, just completely grabbed the fourth quarter by the reins, took control, and almost was able to do enough to put his team on top. And, and of course, the Spurs, they have to ruin everything. They can't just let us have a fun moment where we're looking at a, a, a legendary performance capped off with an epic win. And, but the Spurs end up winning 121-117 after Zion was subbed out. Uh, the things that impressed me most about Zion, just first off, the confidence – Uh, There's a play where he got the ball in transition, picked his head up, made a cross-court pass that he really needed to zip in there to Brandon Ingram and found him on a dime. That's next-level stuff. For someone of that size to make a pass like that in their first NBA game, that that not only speaks to vision, that speaks to confidence. That speaks to him knowing that he's the most important player on the court and that he needs to go and make plays, which was really, really impressive, especially even as San Antonio adjusted. Instead of just sitting back and trying to take three-pointers, he was able to pump fake and get in the lane and get fouled. Get to the basket. Um, another play that just really woke I, I woke me up, especially to Zion Williamson's I think most key attribute. Something that we don't really talk about a lot is his athleticism laterally. His agility is just unreal. There was a play where he he shot a three pointer. It got blocked. He somehow was able to get back to the ball, jump sideways to get back to it absorb a little bit of contact and make a a basket at the rim um that lateral movement is unreal it's it's such a huge strength it makes him a really interesting prospect as a defender but also just the way that he can really move around the court from anywhere and use his size to bang it's just going to be one of these nba careers that we're going to talk about for a really long time i think if he stays healthy we're looking at an all-timer and he was out there out leaping people like it was nothing like you would have thought that this was just another college basketball game for him. He just kind of shows up, does his work, makes some plays. But he looked like he was there to compete. He looked like athletically he was already superior to most of the players around him. And he had the composure to make plays in important moments. Now we'll see how that develops and how that evolves, especially with Alvin Gentry and how he manages him. So Alvin Gentry, the coach of the Pelicans, Um, elected not to play Zion down the stretch despite Williamson starting in the game. And the Spurs ended up winning. Pelicans kind of stagnated on offense. Really, they couldn't stop anybody on defense is why they ended up losing the game. Um, I I think something really interesting to watch is that Alvin Gentry played Zion at the five for those minutes where he was scoring at will. And he was surrounded by shooters. I think that's such an interesting way to use him. Like I said, he's a little undersized height-wise. He's not 6'9", 6'10", super tall, able to get up and uh, just in the bodies and kind of push. Like Obviously, he's got the strength for it, but just in terms of height, people can shoot over him if he's not ready for it. Obviously, athletically, he can protect the rim. He can definitely play the five. But watching how he and Alvin Gentry adjust to using him at the five is going to be really interesting because LaMarcus Aldridge was able to bang down low with him consistently and get baskets around the rim. Mark Soldridge is a veteran NBA player, knows his way around the paint, knows what it takes to score. And as of now, that's a step that Zion needs to take still defensively is learning how to defend those big, skilled, smart, athletic post players that can use Zion's strength and athleticism against him, which is what Aldridge was able to do so effectively. And that means he might need to – I personally think, and I hope that this is something that we see too, I think that he actually works best – as a power forward, alongside Derek Favors, who, especially if Williamson can shoot the ball consistently, I, I, obviously no one's expecting him to go 4 for 4 from the three-point line, but if he can maintain 35 38% from three, just league average or a little bit above, that makes it so much easier to play Favors, and then all of a sudden you have a big closing lineup of Drew Holiday, Lonzo Ball, uh, Zion, um, and Derek Favors, And then any other shooter you want to put out there between Reddick, Josh Hart, anyone else. There's that's such a big talented lineup. I think the Pelicans are a really interesting team to watch, and I think we witnessed the arrival. Like like I was saying, me and my wife just watching TV, have the basketball game on in the background. All of a sudden Zion starts. He makes the first three, then he makes the second, then he makes the third, and it's like oh my gosh, this is unreal. And my, you know that sports are transcendent when people that don't care about sports hear about them. And that, and last night was that kind of moment, a seminal moment moment in sporting history. And I think really just the announcement, the birth of what is going to be an NBA legend and no way better way to commemorate it than the Spurs ruining the fun by ending up winning the game, something I'm sure no one will remember, will all remember those 17 points in three minutes. But I don't know about you, I'm just so excited to see where Zion Williamson takes the league, especially... In this time of transition, where LeBron's heading towards the end of his career, Giannis is kind of reaching his prime, and I think Zion is is the most likely rival for Giannis Antetokounmpo over the next 10 years. So, and Luka Doncic, Karl-Anthony Towns, there's so much young, interesting talent in the NBA. I'm so excited to see how the rest of the season plays out, but more importantly, excited to see Zion and the progression that he's going to make as he gets healthier and healthier as the season wears on. I think it's time to transition away from the NBA, which... I'm sure everybody's first love is basketball. If not, you're just doing sports wrong. You got to love the NBA. But let's transition here to something more local. SU football uh, announcing on Friday of last week the hiring of Matt Wade as the new offensive coordinator. This is a huge move in SU football um, coming off of a 3-9 and season and the season before that finishing 1-10. and And three seasons ago now winning the Big Sky Conference Championship. It's been a weird couple of years for SU football. You went from a perennial contender for conference title, somebody that appeared in the FCF playoffs, to essentially a cellar dweller in the course of two years. And that's really, really tough to swallow. Um, But it's something that they've had to confront. And I was kind of calling for this and not calling for it, but in the sense that I I could see it coming. There, There needed to be some kind of change Um, Within the locker room and SU's athletic department, decided that that need that change needed to come in terms of a new coordinator. Um, So Justin Waltersheed who had been offensive coordinator at SU for a long time, I think as far back as 2009. That's a 10-year tender as an offensive tenure. Excuse me, as the offensive coordinator, Um, that's a long time to be here and to be involved in calling plays for this team. Now you have to transition from having an experienced guy that you know, that has been around the team, that's been around the program, knows what it's like to recruit to SU, and you bring in a completely new face. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to be necessarily a necessarily bad thing because SU's offense was stagnant at times last season. Um, they were good. That was the better side of the ball for the team, and now the team in just complete sense of flux, um, quarterback having transferred away, uh, needing to hire a new defensive coordinator as well, offensive and defensive coordinator in the same offseason. That is such a stressful uh, gig for the athletic department as well as Coach Mario Warren, who has to work with these guys every day. So uh, I think Wade is an interesting hire. He takes over an offense that um, averaged only 115 yards per game on the ground last season. That was the second worst in the conference the team was the ninth best in the big sky in total offense out of 12 teams and only scored 24.6 points per game, which was third worst in the conference. So the offense was the better side of the ball, but it wasn't like it was a world beater exactly, but there was a lot to improve on the offensive side, especially in the running game. And that's why this hiring of Matt Wade is kind of perplexing to me in a sense because he was the passing game coordinator at Pacific University. Well, we should say he he was the offensive coordinator but Pacific also had a running game coordinator that worked alongside him, but he was offense coordinator, quarterbacks coach, and recruiting at this Division three school, the University of Pacific. Um, and Pacific plays in the Big West, and they finished 4-6 and six overall in the Big West in 2019. Excuse me, not the Big West, the Northwest Conference. They finished 5th in that conference. So we're hiring a, a Division three offensive coordinator um, who wasn't The coordinator of his own running game to an FCS program that's quite a jump and if Matt Wade is well equipped and is able to handle it then yeah that's that's the next move for SU football and that's it's huge to get some fresh blood in because like I mentioned Walter Sheed has such a a footprint on this program coach Justin Walter Sheed offensive coordinator for so long now we'll see how coach Wade adapts that offense and moves it and changes it into something different especially with how difficult it can be to recruit at small universities like Southern Utah. Sometimes you're not going to get the prospects you need to make a really complex or difficult offense work. Sometimes you have to keep things simple. Sometimes you can really test your team and try new things that they've never even seen before. And I th- I'm really interested to see how coach Wade comes in and handles that. I know that he has connections with coach Warren as They, I think they knew each other back in their UC Davis days. Um, but this is a really important hire. I mean, as I, I've talked about this before, I think SCU's next few years are just crucial. It, this could be the kind of doldrum time where the SCU falls into losing as they have throughout the program's history, or this is the time that they really grab things by the horns and make the switch into a more productive and consistently winning program. And we've proven we can do it. We've proven that in Cedar City, you can have a Big Sky Conference champion. You can have a playoff contender Um But it's a matter of not only bringing in the right talent but developing those players and really getting them to buy in um and i think that bringing in a new face just as a new face makes an impact and now if matt wade who if i'm matt wade in this situation i'm given this great opportunity i'm sure matt wade is going to work everything he has put everything he's got into this offensive coordinator opportunity drawing up new stuff studying teams and uh implementing things that will be more consistently effective against big sky competition and that's all you can really ask for can he prove it can he change this offense around really push the football program back in the direction that it was headed we're still yet to see that but i think that this is an encouraging sign pacific was the leading rushing offense in the northwest conference in their division three conference that's huge i mean su only averaged 115 yards per game on the ground last season And next season, they have to replace Zach Larson, who is looking like he's going to be an NFL draft pick. That's a lot to ask. That's a lot to ask for a team, any team, replacing their best offensive lineman after they didn't really have a great running season. Bringing in the new offensive coordinator isn't just going to instantaneously fix that. I think it's really going to come down to whether Coach Warren can really get the guys to buy into what Coach Wade is preaching and what this offense is hoping to become. I'd be really excited to see. I know that they love to run up-tempo. They love to run plays out of the shotgun. But I'd be interested to see a, a bigger emphasis on the running game and establishing the run early because that could help alleviate some of the defensive struggles that SU has had over the last few years. It's it's tough. Winning at, at small universities is always tough. College athletics, especially at the low-major level like this, is immeasurably difficult. But the key is bringing in people that can make that change happen and can consistently make a place like Cedar City matter on a national scale. And I think that coach Wade has the potential to do that. He's walking into a situation that's very favorable that he can make a huge impact on, but now we just got to see if he can make that decision. I think step one is figuring out what's going to happen with the quarterback situation. They're going to bring in somebody new if they're going to find an emerging talent from the within the own roster. And I have a special guest now here for a, a segment on su basketball We've got hayden coombs the director of the university journal and just general su basketball knower i think is really <laughs> your, your your most official title so w- looking at su basketball over the last five games three and two picking up some important wins at home against montana state and, and going to idaho state getting the win there but losing to northern arizona last week and beating sacramento state
1: hayden tell me what you've seen in this team over the last few days Um, there's been a lot of excitement. I mean, you go out and see the way that they, uh, competed against Sacramento State and there's hardly a critical thing you can say about the team. They shot well, they defended well, um, they defended at a high level the entire game. Uh, but then you just look two games earlier at the NAU game, which was a total heartbreaker for so many reasons. Um, I mean you can look at the scoreboard and say, oh, we lost a close one to a conference rival. But the real story of that game was unforced turnovers and missed free throws. Right. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I think that's the kind of game that SU is prone to let like, get away from them, mm-hmm. especially when the, the offense kind of stagnates what worked in the first half I mean, cam was Cameron Luton was shredding NAU in the first half. Mm-hmm. Then he didn't even get a shot away in the second. So I think that, This team doesn't really have its go-to score. Like John Knight handles the ball most of the time and is the one who finishes most possessions, but there's not even an SU player in the top 15 in points per game in the conference right now, and the team is tied for second. Yeah, It's a little unusual to have that kind of such a diverse breakdown in scoring.
1: Yeah, well, and something we've been saying all year, this SU team is perhaps the most talented team we have ever had. Here at SU, at least for many, many, many years. Yeah. Um, but a player still needs to step up and be that go-to scoring option. As conference play started, it really looked like Cam Newton was going to be that person. He yeah. was going to be the one that they went to. And at the beginning of the Idaho or of the NAU game, he absolutely was scoring 22 in the first half, um, having what like 16 in the first 10 minutes of yeah. the game. Yeah. Um, but you have to anticipate that teams are going to make halftime adjustments and try to lock him down, right?
0: Yeah, and that's something that was encouraging about the Sacramento State game was, and just over the last few weeks, is how Dre Marine has emerged again as a Mm -hmm. consistent offensive option. That was something that we were kind of calling for in conference play. We felt like he was still kind of lost in the mix now, at least consistently getting shots up. How do you think that adding another shooter consistently like Marin
1: helps the offense. I mean, I think any time you add another shooter, it's going to be good, Yeah. right? Um, Especially with Dre kind of regaining his form from last year where he was so clutch and hit so many big shots for the team. Um, But at the same time, you know, if you're capable of scoring 22 points in one half, you're capable of dealing with the double team, Yeah. right? Um, Cam needs to continue to be – As aggressive as he possibly can be and the team needs to continue to look for him because he does have the potential not only to be the go-to scorer for this team but the best player the most offensively skilled player in the conference um he's an unbelievable talent and uh it's going to be that consistency that you mentioned that could potentially hold this team back from playing in march
0: yeah and they're four and two right now in conference play, which is tied for second behind mm-hmm. Montana, who looked good against SU. That offensively haven't been very good, but they keep finding ways to win games. I think that's really who SU should have their eyes on as far as competition at the top of the conference. But then there are teams like Eastern Washington, who has had an okay start to their season, um, but was the preseason favorite pick to win it all, uh, and now SU travels to Eastern Washington. Uh, they're also four and two overall. They're six and one at home this season. Can you talk about maybe SU's chances going on the road against such a competitive team?
1: Yeah. Well, Eastern has been one of those teams that has been pretty inconsistent. Um, but you know, so have we. Yeah. Um, I mean, Eastern has looked good at times, and then like when Montana went to Eastern, a Montana team that barely beat us at home yeah. went to Eastern and just smacked them by over twenty points. Right. Uh huh. Um. So heading into last week, it kind of looked like, okay, if SU can win both these games at home, they can split next week and probably be in first place. Both of these games are, are must-wins for us to continue to, to keep climbing the, the standings because Montana does look like um, where they maybe don't have that offensive talent that they've had in the past, their experience – their favorable schedule moving forward, they're not going to give up too many dumb games, right? Yeah. Like they're not going to lose to the NAUs at home like we did. Yeah, I think what's really interesting about this Eastern Washington team is just how
0: they play. They play with like the second fastest offense in all of Division One yeah. basketball. They have three guys that average 15 points per game or more. And the guy that runs the whole show for them is Ellis Magnuson, this freshman kid that just runs the whole offense, running around all the time. SU, I think, can really match them athletically, and I think SU would love to get out and run. I think that's been one of the most frustrating parts of the season is not being able to get in transition as much
1: as they'd like. One of the big stories about Big Sky Basketball is it is all about matchups. Yeah, You may match up really well with the team at the top of the conference and beat them, but if you don't match up with the team at the bottom of the conference, who's Idaho right now, they're going to get you. Everyone can play in the conference, and if uh, you're not able to adjust to the other team's defensive schemes, uh, those are the games that you drop. But specifically with the Eastern, I do feel like we match up with them really well. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's any team on the West Coast who's watched us play that wants to run with us. Yeah, right? absolutely. Like, that's the reason UCLA was so effective against us is they Slowing kept the us in down. the half court. Yeah. Um, so if Eastern wants to get out and run, let them run. We'll win. <laughs> absolutely. Hayden, can I ask you
0: about Andre Adams who – recently returned to the lineup. Mm-hmm. David and, I, and Jai has started the last two games, but Adams has played the majority of the minutes at center. They've also been playing Dwayne Morgan there, and Mason Fawcett, yeah. among other things. How do you try and implement somebody that has missed time back into the lineup?
1: Well, I'd say one of the most difficult parts um, moving forward for this team will be that very thing because it's not only... like The the team didn't sit around and wait for Andre to come back. Yeah. Um, David has played extensive minutes, and he has played very well. And Mason Fawcett has... David and Mason together uh, on the blocks has been probably our most effective lineup, right? Yeah. So you have a guy like Andre who has started a number of games for us over the past two years. You don't just forget about him because offensively, yeah, still one of the most skilled big men in the conference. Um, now you have both players having to kind of rethink their roles on the team. What is it they're going to do? Does, should one of them volunteer to come off the bench? Yeah. But, you know, you, at the same time, you let the coach make those calls. It's a great question. Um, <laughs> I think both players are going to see reduced minutes than what they've been used to, right? There's yeah. just not as many minutes to go around, especially when we have three guys who can play that position exactly. at a high level.
0: I, and I think the other thing, too, is that one of those dudes is always going to be in foul trouble. Yeah. They, Dave and NJ, I – love the intensity he plays with he chases blocks like no center i've ever seen in my life right he will he'll leap for a 16 foot footer like floater if he thinks he can reach it like he can half the time yeah and <laughs> and that's great he gives up a lot of offensive rebounds that way sometimes but that just inevitably leads to knocking into people and picking out fouls and that's kind of what he's on the court to do is to wreak right. havoc you know i think something really interesting to consider especially as the season wears down and like you say everything is matchup oriented in this conference mm-hmm. but I think that Coach Simon wants to have five guys that he knows. These are the guys from minute five in the fourth in the second period till the game closes. These are the guys I want out there. Right. Obviously, plays offensive, defensive switches. But to me, I think the best lineup that SU can put out right now is Dre Marine and John Knight in the backcourt. You get a lot of penetration from Knight. Dre Marine can really space the floor. I think Cam is the most important offensive player on the team, like mm-hmm. you mentioned. But those frontcourt minutes is where it gets really interesting, right? Yeah. I think you have to consider Harrison
1: Butler. As I say, we haven't even mentioned Harry, who for the greater part of last, the end of last season was our best player.
0: Yeah, and he makes impact on the game in so many different ways than just scoring. He can get rebounds that he, no other player on the team can get. Right. You know, like last night Zion was picking up rebounds where he was just reaching over people. That's what Harrison can do. when yeah. In situations where the ball shouldn't go to him, he's able to get there. Also, very good, consistent defender. I think that he's one of the five most important players on the team. But how can Coach Simon manage that? You know, and then you still have Dwayne Morgan, you still have Andre Adams, you still have Mason Fawcett. It's so fascinating. It's almost like it's something we talked about. It's like the yeah. team's too good. Who who gets to play those important minutes?
1: Yeah. No, and it'll be really interesting moving forward because, like you mentioned, Mason. This is a guy who's been a role player since he's been here, a yeah. high energy guy, but over the course of conference play, has established himself as one of the most important players on the team. And, you know, you can only so many times say, oh, that guy's just always in the right place at the right time, right? Like yeah. that's a compliment. But after a while, it's... It's an ability. Yeah. Yeah. And and he does it better than anyone else. And, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I agree with you, though, with it's a good problem to have this many guys that can play, this many people that can contribute. But... When it does come to the end of the season, especially when we're looking at conference tournament, because the big sky is never going to get in that large bid, right? You have to win the conference tournament to make the NCAA tournament in this conference. You do need your five. And right now, it looks like Coach Simon has seven or eight. Yeah, it's going to
0: be really fascinating to watch as the season winds down. Hayden, can we talk a little bit about the women's basketball team? It's still undefeated at home. Mm Seven and 0 at home. It's still really impressive. They've got what should be just a layup against Eastern Washington this, week, this weekend. Eastern Washington's like 2-13 and 13 this season. But over the last five games, the t only won one time, struggling a lot on the road, right. falling in some heartbreakers. What have you seen from SU wins
1: basketball? You know, coming into this season, we talked a lot about this team will go as far as Becca can take them. Yeah. right. Becca Cardenas has, without a doubt, established herself as one of the, if not the, premier talent big sky women's basketball she has done everything asked for and more um but what we're seeing is women's basketball to continue winning like they did in the beginning of the season they need consistency out of those second and third options shea fano has been really 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 good at times harley hansen's been really really good at times um but Becca can only do so much, right? Yeah, the, there needs to be more consistency surrounding her.
0: Well, look at the defense over the last five games in the losses. These are the, the, the amount of points they've suffered. They've given up eighty-one to Montana, ninety-one mm-hmm. to Montana State, eighty-four to Northern Arizona, and eighty-seven to Sacramento State. These are women's basketball games that they usually don't get up that high. SU consistently in the sixties and seventies in the early season when they're winning. Even games. In their win
1: against Idaho State, they gave up over sixty.
0: Yeah, they yeah. So I. This defensive unit really needs to make an adjustment. And that's where, you know, Cardenas is so important. Her first three seasons here as a defender, now you're asking Claudia Armato to do most of those important defensive. We're getting a lot of those
1: big assignments.
0: Yeah, and the last four minutes, of course, they have Cardenas guard the best player. But the reason why the games are getting away from them is because the defense has been so inconsistent. And you talk about players like Harley Hansen. She's seventh right now in scoring in the Big Sky. Mm -hmm. So she's making baskets. Shefano has been really good. But now defensively, it's like, okay, this is almost a completely different team. They they gave up 95 to Oregon State. And then a few months later, they gave up 91 to Montana State. So I, I wish the defense was a little more consistent. And I think a lot of that comes from trying to settle out the lineups Ashley Larson I think is their best defensive big but how do you manage those minutes between her and Jess Chapman and Shafano? so I don't know I, I think that there that this is uh, should be a pretty easy fix in trying to stop these opposing teams right. but it, well a lot of difficult. what you just
1: said are our, our best big and we're not very big yeah that's true we're, we're a very small team um, and you know Tracy Sanders is an amazing coach, and she does really good at adjusting her team, her, her game plan around her team, right? True. We've seen her use very different schemes in the two years she's been here just based off her personnel. Um, but this team is small. I mean, Ashley Larson spent the majority of the beginning of her career playing the three and the four. Now she's almost exclusively in the five. Yeah. So... Um, It's really about scheming at this point, right? They're not going to get bigger in the middle of the year. They can't trade anyone. So how are they going to make those adjustments, especially against those bigger teams like Montana State, Montana, Idaho, moving forward?
0: Yeah. So other thing to watch too, and this is another one of those easy fixes you think Mm -hmm. that they should be able to handle. Last two games from the free throw line, they were 12 for 22. And then at Sac State, they were 10 for 19. So shooting around 50% from the free throw line – also going to make things really tough ask to commence basketball that's why they lost against Northern arizona absolutely missing the, the numbers don't look bad but they missed the the front end of
1: one and ones uh two or three different times in that yeah. second half well the, and let's let's look at that real quick if you miss the front end of three one and ones that's not going go for three that's going go of six, six yeah right whether the box score uh, reflects that or not that's absolutely what happens in those situations um another thing to mention our our good friend josh price who (laughs) hits up the uh calls the games on the radio with you um yeah he just stopped by the studio and and mentioned how important claudia has become to this team arguably our most important player with the aside from becca obviously yeah but in terms of like you said her grabbing the majority of the top defensive assignments for the backcourt, uh, the fact that she's bringing the ball up the court most yeah, of the time, all the time. So, she she keeps Becca fresh. I'm. It's really fun to me,
0: like having interviewed Becca and now I've talked to Claudia Claudia for a story, as well. I can see that Claudia is going to become what Becca is.
1: Yeah, First right. And that's what seasons, we heard about her coming here.
0: Great sister, works really hard on defense, makes hustle plays, needs to. Be more aggressive on offense. Who does that sound like? That sounds exactly like Becca right. Cardenas. And now Becca Cardenas leads the entire conference in scoring. Claudia Armado playing this kind of complimentary role. I can totally see two more years under the tutelage of Coach Sanders. All of a sudden, Claudia Armato is the most important player on the team. You know? Yeah.
1: It honestly takes me back to those early 2000s Milwaukee Buck teams <laughs> where they had <laughs> Sam Cassell and Gary Payton each averaging 30 minutes a game. Yes. So much fun.
0: Yeah. I, I love watching that women's basketball team. Um, and I think that Eastern Washington should be a walkthrough, but Idaho is the best defensive team in the big sky
1: right yeah. now. They and don't even give up 60 points too. game.
0: Yeah, that's going to be a tough game. And those kinds of slog-type games in the past were really tough for SUU. Right. Like, they get late in the shot clock. Brewery just, like, throws up a three-pointer because somebody has to shoot it, you know? And now Becca is put into those situations. They run little pick-and-rolls. She's able to keep her dribble alive. She's able to get the basket and score. I think it's actually a decent matchup, especially at home. We'll see if they can stay undefeated at the America First Event Center um, this weekend. They play Saturday at 2, and then Monday they play Idaho at 630. I think that's going to be quite the game. And if they win that, that really swings the momentum on their conference play season. They're 2-4 and four right now near the bottom of the conference, but they're playing like a team that should at least be up near the middle. Before we close the show, let's talk about SU Gymnastics out to a 2-3 and three start. But they lost to two top 15 opponents right. so far. And they have BYU this week. They host them. So they faced BYU at that Rio Tinto best of Utah mm-hmm. and lost to BYU by just a few points. Now hosting BYU, can you tell me about what the atmosphere is going to be like in Cedar City for that on Saturday?
1: Well, BYU always travels very well, right? They're going to bring fans down with them. Um, Utah is for what it's worth, uh, pretty into gymnastics, right? Yep. Utah University of Utah, one of the best teams in the nation. BYU, doesn't matter what sport it is, people love them. Um, and then obviously the Flippin' Birds are arguably the most popular team in Cedar City all year. So uh, it'll be an electric atmosphere. Everyone in At at, at SCU, everyone involved with the program loves to beat BYU. Everyone in Utah loves to beat BYU. Yeah. And so uh, people are going to be packed in for it. It's always an exciting event. But like you mentioned, you know, this is a team that two of their losses came against top 15 teams. But you talk to any of the women surrounding the program, they consider themselves in that same class. Yeah. These are all. This is a very, very talented team, um, and no one would be surprised if the T-Birds walk away from this meet against BYU with a victory. Yeah, I think Coach
0: Bauman sees this as one of the most talented groups mm-hmm. that has come through here. And his thing is always that he doesn't want his team to peak in January. He wants them to peak at the end. when We're right. going to regionals and we're going to nationals. So they pick up a big win at University of New Hampshire last week. Now, it's actually Friday tomorrow at 7. It's the Mental Health Awareness Night, which is interesting for SU yeah. Gymnastics, promoting that, something that the University Journal, who I write for, has promoted a lot recently. This Happy whole week, the
1: Athletics has been doing lots of interesting stuff with mental health awareness. They've had guest speakers coming in. They, they I have think the, the Daddy-Daughter Daddy Dance Daddy is on daughter Saturday. Daddy-Daughter Dance, which is in benefit of mental health awareness. So uh, lots of really cool things that uh, SU Athletics is, is putting together right now.
0: Now the next step is winning in basketball and football, expanding that budget out because we're a consistent FCS playoff team with our new offensive coordinator. And then SU athletics is gonna be set. Right. No one can call me a hater ever again because I want SU
1: athletics to do so well. Hey, no, I don't think you're a hater. You're just an honest fan. And <laughs> <laughs> not all of us fans like honesty, right? In the worst way, I'm a I'm an honest fan.
0: I I just think that Especially when it comes to basketball, this is I think it's going to be a basketball university. Oh, so yeah. if football keeps having these kind of mediocre or less than average seasons, then we're going to start just talking about basketball all the time, you know? Which
1: is okay with me because you know my <laughs> background is 100% in basketball. So by all means, let's turn us into uh, the Gonzaga of the Intermountain West. I, I
0: think that's a lofty goal, but one hopefully someday we can can
1: aspire to it
0: (laughs) There's no hope there's no uh shame in aspiring and no fault in it either but we just got to convince todd
1: simon to keep working here forever
0: yeah coach simon if you're listening i you shouldn't be but it's (laughs) 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 probably spend your time more effectively than this but uh i hope someday we'll reach those heights and please stay as long as you can but i think that will close the thundercast for today huge thanks to hayden coombs for joining me on the show today we'll be back next week Discussing more su athletics make sure you read the university journal magazine it's on shelves around campus now check sunews.net and then two weeks from now we've got a new edition coming so keep an eye out for that and with that that's been the show thanks for listening